0: welcome to Plan Lehigh Valley, a program on WDIY you can hear the first Monday of every month. I'm your host, Greg Caponia, and I am joined again in the studio with our co-host, Becky Bradley and Matt Assad from the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission. Welcome, Becky and Matt.
1: Good evening.
0: Good evening. Tonight, we also welcome our guests, State Representatives Mike Schlossberg, representing the 132nd District, and Zachary Mako, representing the 183rd District. Representative Mako is a Chinook helicopter pilot who was deployed to Afghanistan in December 2012. Now in his third term in the House, he's focused on issues that include property tax reform, job creation, infrastructure improvements. He serves on the Appropriations, Finance, Professional Licensure, Veterans Affairs, and Emergency Preparedness Committees. Representative Schlossberg was elected to the House in 2012 and has since become a vocal advocate for issues that include health care jobs creation and education, and he's garnered nationwide recognition for his advocacy on mental health issues. He sits on the policy and rules committees and more than 15 caucuses, including co-chairing the Manufacturing and Mental Health Caucuses. Gentlemen, thank you for being on WDIY this evening and welcome.
2: Very glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Us.
0: Uh, Terrific. Before you, before we get started, I just have to say congratulations to our own Becky Bradley for being recognized as one of Pennsylvania's 100 most influential women leaders by City and State PA, a multimedia news firm that dedicates its coverage to Pennsylvania's state and local government, political and advocacy news. Congratulations, Becky. Well deserved.
1: I'm glad All it's radio right. and you can't see how red my face is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Congrats.
0: You. Thank you. Hey Matt, face for radio. Well deserved. Hey Matt, we're recapping the ninth annual Lehigh Valley Outlook and Awards program, and we will be talking about development trends with Representative Schlossberg and Mako. First, can you give us a quick rundown on how the Outlook event
3: went? It went really well. We've been doing this since 2014. And this year, we had it at Lehigh University's Iacocca Conference Center, which if you've been there, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. It really yeah, it's is. terrific. Yeah, and we, we brought together nearly a couple of hundred planners and engineers and developers and community leaders and government leaders, a lot of folks who have a vested interest in sort of how we evolve and grow. And we, we gave out some awards. Uh, first time in a couple of years because of the pandemic, we gave out the Community of Distinction Award. We give that every year to one community that's had an excellence uh, that's shown excellence in planning and a commitment to a balanced approach toward managing growth uh, while preserving the unique character that sort of makes us uh, special in the Lehigh Valley this year's winner was Easton anyone who's been to Easton lately knows that it's undergoing quite a resurgence uh, it's had a billion dollars worth of completed or proposed new development and much of it is redevelopment in its urban core a lot of it is redevelopment and brownfields uh, redevelopment and they've just really built themselves quite the downtown restaurant yeah it's terrific yeah it's become kind of an uh, like a destination for folks so they're really doing a lot of things right Also nominated for that was North Whitehall Township and Upper Saucon Townships. Both were nominated because both have worked very hard at managing growth and they're both modernizing their processes and their planning tools to sort of manage growth in this new economy. Also at the event, we we gave out the Future LV Heroes Award. That we gave to Lehigh Gap Nature Center interns Shirlene Martinez and Donna Hanna. That's given every year to individuals or groups that show a commitment to future LV, the regional plan's environmental policies. Charlene is a recent Roberto Clemente charter school graduate, and Donna is recently graduated from Lafayette College. Both worked at the Lehigh Gap Nature Center's Color of Nature program on projects to protect the environment and promote conservation to elementary and middle school students. And and maybe the best part is both of them are seeking careers in environmental conservation. So that was a cool thing. Terrific. to celebrate, right, yeah. And we also, yeah, as you were there, so you, we also uh, released a just a raft of new data,
1: a including too much maybe.
3: Well, it depends <laughs> on what, what you like and don't. Yeah, well, we did, you know, and included population and employment projections for the next thirty years, development data, traffic data, greenhouse gas, and. But I'm sure we're going to talk about some of that as we kind of move along. Here. Yeah, okay. But it was a really good event.
0: Well, Becky, let's talk about some of that data Matt was referring to. Uh, population projections. Can you talk about how we're expected to grow and what that means for our development future and really what it's already meant for our present-day development?
1: Yes. Uh, David Jan, our economist data scientist, um, who also works at the Workforce Board of the Lehigh Valley. So all of us kind of put our heads together, the LVPC Workforce Board, and uh, through the hard work of David um, and some of the other folks at LVPC, we started to look at how we were going to grow and where we were going to grow. So how many people, you know, younger populations coming into the Lehigh Valley and and so on and so forth and what that meant for population and jobs. So we're adding roughly 100,000 residents, and that's an average of 3,300 per year by 2050. So that'll bring the region's population to about 790,000 people. In the first three quarters of 2022, we also reviewed plans for more than Everybody sitting down, 19.1 million square feet. That's just the first nine months of this year. And that included 15.7 million new square feet being proposed for warehouse and distribution centers. And it's a 50% increase over last year's totals. So we still continue to see proposals coming in through the end of the year. So we'll bring those numbers back on an upcoming show but um, some kind of good news is, is we've had a significant housing shortage for a while, um, and the housing unit proposals are on pace to exceed 6,000 by the end of this year, and that's the most we've seen since 2006, so during the housing boom. And uh, there's been a way a move away from single-family homes and more towards apartments, though there has been some single-family home, townhomes, condos, and other things proposed. But apartment proposals are on pace to reach 3,600 this year.
0: Wow. Representative Mako, I know some of your focus has been on infrastructure improvements with the way the Lehigh Valley is growing, not just in population, but on the development front. Do you get the sense that the region is gaining influence in Harrisburg? Does that translate to more infrastructure funding in this region?
4: Uh, Yeah, Greg. Well, first off, I hope so, right? Um, Yeah. (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, as Becky just mentioned, yeah, the Lehigh Valley is growing, and I do see The Lehigh Valley gaining traction in Harrisburg. You know, we just talked about the population growth. We just, in this redistricting, this past redistricting in this election, we picked up a a state Senate seat that's dedicated to the Lehigh Valley. So I think that does help influence in Harrisburg. I just read in the paper this morning that Governor-elect Shapiro's uh, new chief of staff is coming out of the, the Lehigh Valley from Copley. So I think that's a huge win for the Lehigh Valley as far as gaining influence and then you know i think moving forward the more elected officials and those that we have in positions of power advocating for the valley i think that does help translate into support for our region so to answer your question yes i I do think we're gaining traction in harrisburg and i think we should be seeing more funding for the region
0: becky can you explain what it means when they say pennsylvania is a right to develop state
1: Yes. There's this law called the Pennsylvania Municipalities Planning Code. So it governs what local governments, how they process applications for subdivision and land development, but also governs um, the status of county planning reviews that we do through the LVPC on behalf of Northampton and Lehigh counties as well. And that law is uh, very clear that you have to accommodate zoning for every possible use in every community, With one exception, if you do a multi-municipal comprehensive plan and it doesn't make sense for you to have all those uses and you can share them across the group of communities. So we're up to... 36 matt
3: i believe it's 38 38 okay even better by the middle of next year we'll have 38
1: yeah communities that are now starting to plan together because it might not make sense in a borough let's say like bath or like katasaqua because they don't have a lot of developable land um, if any they've got redevelopment opportunities and preservation opportunities but they might not be able to accommodate things like let's say a landfill and that's Mm -hmm. required Um, so where does that go and so if they partner up Uh, With their neighbors, and their neighbor already has a landfill, then it helps manage that issue.
0: Representative Schlossberg, one of the major developments near your district is the redevelopment of the Allentown State Hospital site. Can you talk about the vision for the site and why you think it's so important?
2: Absolutely, and that was something that I worked on uh, (laughs) quite literally until today, when the Allentown State Hospital was moved out of my legislative district as a result of the new term. That being said, it's a important piece of land that we really need to redevelop and to redevelop the right way. To go backwards for a second, the Allentown State Hospital was, for a long time, one of the largest psychiatric facilities in the Commonwealth. It housed thousands of patients over the years, some very successfully, some not so successfully in terms of how it dealt with mental health. In 2010, the state closed it down, sat vacant for 10 years after numerous failed efforts to try to redevelop it with its current infrastructure in place. I worked with Senator Brown to demolish the site, make sure we had the funding to demolish the site, and essentially turn it into, I believe, 212 acres of not greenfield, but relatively open land that can be redeveloped. The most important thing from a redevelopment perspective, from my end at least, was making sure that something came in there that actually fit the needs of the community. So whatever was redeveloped there, you want to make sure that's going to blend in on the east side of downtown, Be an asset to the east, of the east side, be an asset to all of downtown. We saw it as a mixed-use redevelopment, something that had a mix of housing, affordable housing, senior housing. We hear all the time about the cost of housing, and the housing shortage in the Lehigh Valley, as well as an array of business uses. So primarily, the biggest thing from a business perspective we wanted there was flexible light manufacturing, something that wasn't going to cause a huge burden on the infrastructure in that area, which was limited, but something that would also create jobs and fill a desperately needed niche within the Lehigh Valley. That's not a site that's really appropriate for... Logistics or warehousing, but if you could do lightweight, flexible manufacturing, put office spaces nearby, integrate the site appropriately with community services for children, you could really do something good over there.
0: You're also involved with House Bill 2768. Why are you co sponsoring it?
2: Well, it's a huge issue, and that piece of legislation is really important to my new district. So I, as a result of the new legislative redistricts, I represent all South Whitehall and a large chunk of Upper McCungie, an area where there's a lot of open space, and a lot of open space that's being converted into new housing and into warehouses and logistics. I propose this particular piece of legislation to allow municipalities to get a better handle on how that redevelopment And to ideally get additional concessions out of developers when it comes to infrastructure needs. We need to be clear about this. Stopping growth in the Lehigh Valley is not a viable option. I think if you do that, you risk the jobs and the vibrancy and the new people that we've successfully been able to generate in this area. So we cannot and should not stop growth. What we should do is be smart about how that growth occurs. My legislation would enable town planning commissions to take into account additional factors and additional infrastructure requirements when approving or disapproving a plan. This would ideally shift the balance of power a little bit and give local municipalities the ability to get additional infrastructure requirements whenever there was a new development. It would also create a system in which other municipalities could comment on local municipality developments that were outside of their jurisdiction. So one of the things we have unquestionably seen repeatedly is that Pennsylvania loves local government. There are a few states in the nation that love local government as much as we do, which on one hand keeps local government officials close to uh, to the people, but it can also create problems. When the development occurs in Low Hill Township, it's going to impact, and maybe negatively impact, my constituents in Upper Macungie. So this, my legislation would enable it so that municipalities could easily comment on other development that's occurring outside of their jurisdiction. And then it would let local municipalities consider how development would impact their neighbors when making an approval or, or disapproving a
0: plan. Becky, your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Well, I think what the proposed legislation really does is it gives optional tools, too. And I think that's important because not every community needs or wants the same things, but it gives them options to adopt some tools as well. Um, And I think that really reinforces the point that Representative Schlossberg made about the fact that you have to have balanced growth, that you, you shouldn't be trying to stop growth. And so having, you know, a bigger toolbox or more variety in your Swiss Army knife of balanced growth Uh, Makes it better all the way across. And I do know that especially places like Chester County, Montgomery County, even going into our neighbors in the north, or Carbon, Schuylkill, Mm Monroe, that are seeing growth and out into Lackawanna, Luzerne, they're interested in balanced growth as well especially our neighbors to the north who've started to see some of the industrial growth that we've been experiencing for the last six, seven years. So I really do hope that the legislature takes a, a look at this more more broadly and, and works with the coalition of representatives that have put this together to move it forward and eventually make it into a law.
0: Representative Mako, your 183rd district includes several boroughs and townships. And a real mix of urban, suburban, and rural areas. What are some of the things you hear from constituents regarding development in your region?
4: Yeah, well, first off, I just want to say that I am, so thankful to represent the 183rd and be elected to represent the people of the 183rd. You're absolutely right. The district has a mix from farmland all the way to urban area and everything in between. But uh, one thing that I've heard from constituents across the board is, the, you know, the 183rd is right in the middle of the the growing region and this infrastructure. And uh, many of my constituents are concerned about infrastructure needs as far as bridges and roads with this growing area and uh, the infrastructure has to keep up i know in in my district i have several bridges over the lehigh and they're being replaced and that's a a concern that a lot of constituents have so as becky mentioned and mike mentioned it's kind of the theme of the call today is you know we need to have smart growth strategies moving forward to make sure that the infrastructure is keeping up with the growth in the region and that's so i say that's probably the big concern becky
1: yeah, I mean, of course, you know, Representative Mako is right. I think one of the tricks is, is you know, infrastructure funding is is, is inherently complicated. About eighty percent of infrastructure funding comes from the federal government, and then there's you know, usually about twenty percent match that's required. Often that comes from the Pennsylvania legislature. And so there's so many things competing for that 20 percent. And so it's difficult every year for the legislature to figure out how to fund that 20 percent. And I just appreciate I know both state representatives that are on today have worked to to continue to make sure that 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 20 percent is there so we can unlock that 80 percent federal in this Mm -hmm. new um, infrastructure investment and, and jobs act. Um, we have a solid strategy for the region and our regional allocation, which, you know, the, the representative Mako noted some of the bridge replacements that are happening, but the need still far outweighs uh, the available resources, and it's even more poignant in a region like ours where we're seeing so much growth. But then the state is in a tricky position because they have places, other places in the state that have declining population, but they still have to maintain the infrastructure there. So there's a lot of difficult choices that they have to make um, when they're trying to figure out where the state puts some of its resources as well. So, you know, I I like the fact that here in the Lehigh Valley, we can work together on these issues and prioritize some of the larger projects together um, and work across the aisle, really. Uh, globally, whether it's between the counties, with our state representatives and senators, with our federal representation, and the like. So um, I think we're well positioned uh, to be able to capture every possible penny that we can capture as a, a region for infrastructure. But again, we know we still have at least $3 billion worth of needs that don't have funding.
4: And Greg, can I just sure, add, please, as well? Yeah, and one and one of the, the wins that we got this last year in the budget was the motor licensure fund is shared infrastructure and state police. And we were able to take out close to three hundred million dollars of uh, state police funding from the motor licenser and now we're funding it through the, the general uh oh help me out, Mike. Why am I drawing a blank on this? The general fund? Yeah. Yeah, the general fund. So that frees up $300 million that can go to infrastructure for the Commonwealth. And I think that's, that's a, a start in addressing some of the shortage in infrastructure funding, as you were mentioning, Becky, with that
1: 20%. Yeah, no, and I do appreciate that because I know that's not – I mean, where do you find $300 million in the general fund, right? That's no small thing. And um, I, I know that you guys have been working on that for a long time. So I know all of us are appreciative if no one told you that. Thank you both.
2: And let me jump in as we're talking about that, Please. too, real quick, because I think one of the most interesting long-term challenges we're going to have in this state is infrastructure funding, and specifically roads and bridges. Zach, of course, is completely right. The I don't want to say the burden, because funding our state police is exceptionally important, of course, but it does put a real challenge and a real strain on our motor license funds. We've got to be able to come up with that funding. Here, fundamentally, is a long-term issue. Our motor license fund is ultimately funded by the gas tax, right? The per-gallon tax that's on every gallon of gasoline in Pennsylvania. It is the highest in the nation, which is obviously a huge challenge for our residents. And here's the challenge. The funding mechanism is drawing in less and less money despite being so high. The reason for that has nothing to do with anything that we're doing. and it has to do with the simple fact that cars are getting more efficient and electric cars are getting more popular, which means in the long run, we've got to figure out a new way to get rid of the uh, to fund our roads and our bridges, and ultimately move away from this gas tax and move to some other tax. Now, what does that look like? I don't have an answer, because there's, there's a variety of ones. There's other states that fund roads and bridges through sales tax. Some, I do it through a lottery. I think in the long run we're going to have to look at moving to a vehicle miles tax, which basically taxes cars per per miles driven. But there's huge implementation challenges there. It's an area that I'm really curious about. Before I was elected to House leadership, I was on the Transportation Committee. I voted for Act 89 of 2013. I was the only House member at the time. This predates Zach being in the House, but I was the only House member in the Lehigh Valley that voted yes. I'd do it again. It dramatically improved our ability to fund roads and bridges in the Lehigh Valley, but. We have real challenges
0: here. You folks are doing a good job. If you travel around the country, our roads are pretty good. You know? Uh, <laughs>
2: can you tell that to some of my constituents?
4: Please? Yeah, I'm I understand, really, but yeah, uh, can you say know, say that it's, it's, slowly.
0: When you when you compare that <laughs> to other places, I mean, really, we've got some pretty good roads. So, uh, you know, no complaints at least on this side of, of the table here. Um, <laughs> Matt, based on the projections, all these areas are expected to handle more housing. How yep. how, how, how do we do this,
3: Matt? I mean, uh, developers and they're going to have to build more housing, and hopefully they're going to, you know, building in places where there's already infrastructure, and mm-hmm. in places where they can sort of densify a little bit, and folks can, you know, live in smaller places on smaller lots, and you know, so it's it's going to take years, and I think we're in a position where the sort of the tail on the housing shortage is probably going to be a little longer for us because mm-hmm. we're a place where people want to be, and we're a place that is growing, and it comes after developers stopped building homes because of the past downturn. So we almost have this perfect storm of things. You have those things going on along with a pandemic that sort of sent people in our direction because we're a place where people want to be. Becky, anything to add on a housing strategy?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and then throw in inflation on it, you know, on top of it now too. Um, Really, it's not the best time to to buy a house because, you know, uh, uh, the average – the median cost for a house, so the exact middle – is $272,000 right now for a home in the Lehigh Valley. You know, a little over 2%, 2 2.5% interest rate, give or take Uh, back in January 2021, you could have purchased that home. That now, if you want that same mortgage rate with interest being over 7%, the costs of you can only afford a house about $160,000, $163,000. And so there aren't units like that readily available in the Lehigh Valley. So one of the things that uh, we've been working with Lehigh County on, and we're really excited to do, but we're going to do it on behalf of uh, the whole whole region, is we're next year going to launch a housing supply and attainability strategy. We'll be uh, working with the Towilliger Center at the Urban Land Institute, as well as our Pennsylvania Planning Association, Lehigh-Burke's chapter, so the professional planners in the area, to come up with that strategy. And what we'll be doing is we'll be getting together all the people that actually make housing happen. So that's our local officials, that's bankers, that's developers, that's people in the nonprofit community. And uh, even our school districts will be involved um, because, in general, people's uh, housing is – the the value of their housing is most closely tied to the quality of the school district. So they need to be at the table as well. But we're going to focus on how and where can we actually increase the supply to meet the demand and at what price points does that housing need to be at because we don't just have an affordable housing issue for people that are of lower income. We have a very big shortage of houses at the higher income area. And then that puts a squeeze on everybody in the middle. And so then we just have this entire knot of housing shortages and mismatch with incomes at all levels. So it's not good enough to just focus on one income strat or another, you have to tackle the whole problem. And that's where, you know, us as the uh, regional planning agency, that's squarely in our wheelhouse. So I'm pretty excited to be working on that. But it is a tough problem. But the one thing you can guarantee at the LVPC is um, we don't shy away from tough. And people rely on us to be able to tackle those larger issues with the community and convene and collaborate. On building solutions.
0: We have a few minutes left. I'd like to ask our state representatives to tell people what they can do to have an impact on their state government. Representative Mako?
4: I just think that, you know, the best way to get involved is, you know, reach out and communicate to our offices, you know, all elected officials for that matter, but if you want to get involved on the state level, Definitely reach out to our offices and and talk to us. Communication is key in everything we do, and and it's no different with government. So the best way to get involved is just uh, open, uh, open up the lines of communication.
0: Representative Schlossberg.
4: So
2: I will unapologetically defend the Pennsylvania legislature as an institution, both in terms of its size and in terms of the fact that it's full-time. And I do that for a variety of reasons. I think it's the best way to create the most effective policy. But more importantly, I think it gives us the opportunity to actually do our jobs. By being a full-time legislature, by representing 65,000 people each, we can actually have these one-on-one conversations with our constituents. Now, if your legislator isn't doing that, Democrat or Republican, that's a very different story. But I know, you know, in the case of people like Zach and me, we care deeply about this job. And whatever political disagreements we have, I think the vast majority of us want to do the right thing and want to communicate with our constituents. The point is this. If you want to get involved, pick up the phone and call us. Tweet at us, or in my case, tweet at us because I'm pathetically addicted to Twitter. Send us a message on social media. Send us an email, but reach out in some way because that's the nature of our job. That's what we are elected and paid to do, and we want to actually talk with the people we represent.
0: Becky, comments?
1: Yeah, no, they're they're absolutely right. I think if – I think one of the things that is an issue just worldwide at this point – that if you just take the social media and complain, you're not being part of the solution. And the people that are elected to represent us are part of the solution. And the best way to get involved in influencing that is to be involved and to know them. They're, I mean, I can call either one of them, and they'll, you know, they'll pick up the phone, and I'll be able to talk to um, someone who works there if they're not available. And that's. The same with any of our legislators here in the Lehigh Valley. And I think that's one of the things that makes our region so successful is because they are close to the people. You can speak with them. Um, but again, I encourage same message as both of the representatives. Pick up that phone. Send that email. Don't just pop off on social media. It doesn't mean anything other than it lets people know that you're angry about something. You mean people
0: get angry on social media?
1: Well, I don't know why they just don't. <laughs> Write I it down, curse never wow i I'm sure our
0: representatives have not yeah. uh, seen any of this yeah.
1: didn't our moms tell us when we were growing up like write it down, put it <laughs> uh, put it away, look at it tomorrow, and then decide if it's an issue, you know
2: <laughs> strangely enough, I read a lot about my mother on social media, but it's usually people using her in ways that I don't really think are appropriate. <laughs>
1: oh <my gosh. laughs>
0: Folks, we're just about out of time. <laughs> That's probably for the best. <laughs> hey. Representative Mako also, uh, you know, once again, uh, driving those Chinook helicopters. Uh, thank you for your service, sir.
4: Thank you, Greg. I appreciate that.
0: Well, folks, you've been listening to Plan Lehigh Valley. I'd like to thank Representatives Schlossberg and MAKO for being with us tonight. And, of course, thank you, Becky and Matt Asad. Becky Bradley and Matt Asad, thank you for being with us today again uh, from the Lehigh Valley Planning Commission. I'm Greg Caponia. You are listening to WDIY 88.1 FM. Have a great evening and happy holidays.